Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? It's so good to worship with you. Those of you who are in Mesa, man, good to see your faces. Everyone in Ahwatukee, so glad that you're at church today. And if you're in, on, online right now joining us, I hope you had as good of a worship time just now as I had. Uh, God was here, his presence is here, and I know that his presence is with you wherever you're at. I'm so excited to be with you today. It's so good to be in church. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Does anybody else feel that way today? Man, it's so good to have time away to rest and recharge, but I'm even more glad to come back to such an amazing church filled with amazing people who are a joy to live life with and to pastor and to love and to encourage. So thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being, give yourselves a hand today. You don't get to give yourself a hand often enough. <laughs> so I'm gonna be jumping back into the series that we've been in next week, but I wanted to take some time today to kind of just talk to you about church, where we're at, where we're going. I wanna talk today about the state of the church, the state of the church. And I'm gonna have some scripture for you to encourage you, but I wanna share some thoughts with you just kind of about what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking about, even what I'm concerned about. Maybe you've been wondering, how's the church really doing? Maybe you're new to this church and you're wondering like, oh, it seems okay you know, in service, but I wonder what it's like behind the scenes. What's going on? How's it really going? Well, we've been going through some troubled times. That's true. I mean, first we had the shutdown in March and we're trying to figure out how to move everybody online. Uh, we were concerned for the health of our church. We were concerned over those of you who were losing jobs. I was concerned about our staff. I remember someone said to me in late April, hey, uh, Pastor Ryan, how are you enjoying your time off during this shutdown? <laughs> and I was like, I am not off, bro. Like, <laughs> me, a lot of our staff, it was not uncommon to work 100-hour work weeks during that time. There's a lot of confusion and fear that people have been dealing with about the virus, especially in the early days. You guys remember that? Like, no one even knew what was really going on. We had fears over the government taking too much control in our lives or some people that the government wasn't doing enough. Um, people were afraid of economic disaster. And during that time of the shutdown in March and in April, I heard from a lot of you and you said, I really miss my church. And I know some of you aren't able to be here today and you feel that way too. I really miss my church. I want you to know as a pastor, I feel that way too, but times 3,000. Like I really missed all of you. And man, for those of you I haven't been able to see in the last five months or so, like it feels like forever. I just want you to know I miss you so much. I miss you so much. And you're in my, in my thoughts and prayers. Then we had the reopening on May 17th and we had to figure out safety protocols for our church to follow. And some people said, I want more safety protocols. And some people said, I want less safety protocols. So if you're not happy with the safety protocols, email me, Ryan at I don't care.com. I'm over it. And then uh, I'm doing my best. We had the, uh, sadly, the tragic killing of George Floyd and the civil outcry that went with that. And then some people said, you know, you're not saying enough about that. And some people said, you're saying too much about that. And people were saying, we should support minorities. And we should, other people were saying, we should support the police. And as if those things are mutually exclusive. I mean, come on, right? And that was a difficult season for all of us. And we're still in that season. Then came the mask mandate. 
in Arizona, right? And sweet Lord, that's the greatest question of all time now, is to wear or not to wear the mask. And then lately I've been noticing we're dealing with conspiracy theories. Um, people are concerned about chip implants in their brains uh, that were in the end times. People are asking about the mark of the beast. You know, it used to be that conspiracy theories were only things that crazy people believed. They still are. <laughs> Don't be crazy, church. I got parents worried about homeschooling their kids and school schedules, right? And then at the same time, we've got an election cycle ramping up. So all these difficulties are even more politicized than they were. So it's complicated. So now we're looking into the future. We're wondering what's next. I know that we have faced many troubles. I know that it's been a difficult season, but I want you to know, and I believe this with all of my heart, the state of the church is strong. The church is strong. The state of the church is strong because our senior, senior pastor has always been in control. His name is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings. He said, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. So we know that no matter what we face, the church will prevail because Jesus is in control. Come on, let's give God praise. Let's just give him praise right now. Wherever you're at, we praise you, God. We worship you, Lord. Everything we face, I want you to think about this. This is kind of gonna catch some of you off guard, but everything that we have faced up to this point is part of God's plan. He didn't necessarily cause it, but he will use it for good. He will use it for good. He is using everything we've gone through to build his church. And he's gonna build his church by building you. Do you realize that? He's building you. I wanna read from James chapter one. It says in James chapter one, verse two, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many of you would like to change your status to perfect and complete? Hi, my name is Ryan, I'm from Arizona. I'm perfect and complete and I need nothing. That sounds amazing, right? I mean, that sounds so good. I mean, I think we all want that, but if you want that, you need fully developed endurance. Fully developed endurance. I wanna show you a picture of my, my baby, Lila. Here she is. This is a picture from when we were on vacation and she was getting a little tummy time here. Uh, and you can see that she's happy and she's looking around and she's just kind of loving life and she just looks adorable, right? But I remember in the early days when we, we brought her home, the doctor told us the baby needs tummy time. She needs tummy time. And really that's that her neck muscles were not strong enough to support, you know, her head. Her head is just like a sack of potatoes when she's born. She just can't really do anything with it. It just hangs. And so she had to have time on her stomach in order to build up the muscles in her neck and in her back here. But what's so funny is I don't know how your babies were, but, but this baby hated tummy time. I mean, she hated it. We'd put her on her tummy and she'd be there like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> 
I mean, she hated it. She cried, right? But we knew that it was good for her. She needed that time so that she could grow and be strengthened. And then look what happens just a few months later. Now it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. We're going through a lot of struggles right now and a lot of troubles. And I want you to know that this is part of God's plan. The stress and the strain that you're under is a way that he develops endurance in you. Endurance in you. Before the worship team gets up here on Sunday and produces amazing music for all of us to worship at with, with right? They're here practicing during the week till their fingers are bloody. Before any team wins the Super Bowl in February, they are doing two-a-day practices in the heat of the summer. Before soldiers go into a battle and win the victory, right? They've got to go to basic training or boot camp where drill sergeants beat them down and yell at them and crush them. And it's not for the purpose of destroying them, but to break them down so that they can be rebuilt into warriors. I want you to understand that, that what God wants for you is to be a warrior for Jesus. He wants you to be strong for Jesus. It's not good enough to have the heart of a champion, church. You need the strength of a champion. If you're gonna win, you need the strength of a champion. And the way God develops strength in you is by allowing you to go through troubles. Troubles. We oftentimes get so overwhelmed by troubles and we pray, God, take it away. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. And he's saying, you need it. You need to go through this because I want to develop endurance in you so that you can grow and become perfect and complete, needing nothing. So if you're going through troubles like really all of us are right now, that means according to scripture, you should be happy about it. You should count it great joy because you know that means that God is building you into championship shape. That means God has a plan for your life and he is preparing you for greater things. He wouldn't let you go through hard things if he didn't think that it was part of the process to develop you for greater things. But I want you to know this. This is what's concerning. Not everyone survives the struggle. There's a struggle that we go through, but not everyone survives the struggle. Not every football player makes the team, right? Not every soldier makes it through basic training. Many don't. Some don't have what it takes, others just give up. You ever feel like giving up? Well, here's the thing. You don't have to worry about not having what it takes. That's the good news. You don't have to worry about not having. Maybe you've asked yourself that before, like, do I really have what it takes? Do I really have what it takes to live for God and make it through life and be a good spouse and be a good parent? be successful at work? Like, do I really have what it takes? The answer to that question is unreservedly, yes, you do. I don't even have to know every little intimate detail of your life, but if you're a believer in Jesus, you have what it takes. Just go ahead and repeat after me and say, I have what it takes. Let me show you why I know that, because Romans 8:11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the all-powerful Spirit of God lives in you. So that's why when Paul says, I can do all things, it's through Christ who strengthens me. I know that you have what it takes. So the question is, not do you have what it takes, but will you quit? Will you give up? Will you give up? The question is, will you give up or will you grow stronger? The only way to lose is to quit. This is the only way that you lose in this thing, is if you quit. 
What does it mean to quit? It means stopping before God's appointed time. Sometimes it is okay to stop things. Like some of you, there are some people you need to stop dating. Sometimes you need to stop working at that job. Sometimes you need to stop doing what you're doing. When it's God's timing, it can be okay to stop. But when you stop for the wrong reasons before the right time, that's quitting. One of my biggest fears, honestly, just personally sharing what's in my heart, is being a quitter. I would hate to be called a quitter. I mean, I think back to the, the early days of my life. I remember this. Uh, I'll just be real. I'll just put all my, my junk on the table, okay, right now. I'll just get too, I'm going to get too vulnerable. Someone's going to hold this against me later. But I remember uh, when I was a freshman in high school, and I went out for football. And I had gr- dreams of grandeur, of being an amazing football player. The problem is it's hard. And I was like a chubby kid in terrible shape. And so it hurt. And I convinced myself I couldn't do it. I convinced myself it was too hard. And I quit. And I remember even the coach came to me and was like, Ryan, we need you. Don't quit. And I was like, I can't do it. And then I regretted for the rest of my life that I quit that year in football. And I watched everyone else go off and play. And I was sitting on the sidelines like, man. <laughs> I'm afraid that some of us who are watching today or listening to my voice could be closer to quitting than we even realize. Rather than in this time of trouble, turning to God for strength and peace, some of you are turning to substances, to pornography. You're drowning your sorrows by binging entertainment. I mean, how many series can you binge watch on Netflix? Or food? All these are warning signs. I'm not judging you. I'm I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. My number one concern, and and I can tell you, most of the pastors I've talked to during this pandemic, our number one concern is that our church people, our friends, the people that we love and pray for would quit. And I don't necessarily mean by being suicidal, but by being spiritually suicidal. Like you stop interacting with your life group. You stop reading the Bible. You stop talking to God in prayer. You stop attending church. That's what I'm concerned about. And I've seen warning signs that this could be a problem. Like I, nobody likes admitting this stuff, but I will, I will admit this to you, okay? Our physical attendance right now is lower than it was when we first reopened. And our online attendance is lower than when the pandemic first started and church was online. So that tells me that there are some people who are potentially getting disconnected. And I think, uh, you know, it's not so much the core of our church, but the people who are the most vulnerable spiritually, the people who are new believers or they're baby believers or they're almost believers, Those are the people I'm really worried about. They haven't developed good life disciplines yet. And some of them, they're maybe tuning in once in a while. Some of you who are online right now, or maybe you're even at church, and this just happened to be like the one day per month that you actually go to church. And I'm glad you're here. Hey, so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. But I'm worried about you. Like if you only ate one time a month, you get in really good shape. And then you die. Like... No, no, you, you, would, you would possibly survive, but soon you would grow very weak. Or like think about if you only worked out and exercised one time per month. 
Some, some of you, that is your workout plan, right? And what happens is like, you just live perpetually in that state of being uncomfortable. It's not until it becomes a regular part of your life and your routine that it becomes more possible and, and something that you become more proficient at. So I'm worried you need regular time in God's presence with God's people, either online or physically, okay? I want you to grow past that uncomfortable state. If you want that, you've got to spend time with God on a regular basis. Now, I know a lot of you are at church today, and you're like, Ryan, you're preaching to the choir. I know. You're here, but other people aren't. Other people aren't. And so, listen, church, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help to reach out to the people who have been getting disconnected from church. You might know someone who hasn't been to church in a while. Maybe you know someone, you're like, I don't know what's going on with them. Will you do me a favor, please? Will you text them? Will you text them this week? Will you call them this week and just check on them? Will you check on them and invite them to church with you? Invite them online if they need to go online. Invite them to church physically if they can come. But will you please help me with that, church? If you will, say amen. Because you could save someone's life by doing that. Here's what I'm worried about. The disengaged and detached will eventually risk defeat. People who become disengaged and detached from their church will eventually risk defeat. Your church, your church family is here to help you, help you to grow and develop endurance. We're here to help you grow in strength so that you can be victorious. That's what we want for you, okay? Because here's the thing, like, I'll be real, okay? You don't need a church to get saved. All you need is faith in Jesus. You don't need a church to get into heaven, but you do need a church if you want to fulfill your God-given potential in this life. You need a church because you can't fulfill all the one another commands of scripture without one another. Love one another, right? You can't do that without one. You need a church. So we're here for you. As a church family member, what we do when we're healthy, when we're fully developing as followers of Jesus is this. We attend church, we serve, we give, we live out Christ's values in our lives, and we engage in this mission that Jesus has established to seek and save the lost. We attend church, we serve we give, we live the Christian life, and we make God's mission our mission. Listen, I don't want you to attend church just because it makes me feel better. I want you to attend church because it makes your life better. That's what I want for you. That's what I am concerned about. And at our church, I'm celebrating that it's easy to participate. Will you celebrate this with me? Because Generation Church is fully operational. Come on. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Well, first off, since this whole thing started, we've had an online presence, and I know a lot of you are part of our online campus, Generation Nation. We got people around the country, around the world, wherever you're at, I'm shouting you out right now. Hit me up in the comments right now and just be like, hey, right? Just say, what, just say something so I know you're there. We've had online ministry, and it's only gotten better by God's grace. We've got life groups going on, and life groups are getting ready to kick off again. So I want you all in a life group, whether it's a digital life group through Zoom 
and you can do the whole thing like, like Bill, 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 your mic's muted. Bill, your mic's muted. Or you can do a physical life group. It's up to you, but I just want you in community with Christians. One of the things I want you to know about is celebrate recovery. We have Celebrate Recovery going at both of our campuses, and it's a recovery program to help you with hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Very open-ended. If you need help, if you're stuck, if you're dealing with hurt, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're hung up on something, go to Celebrate Recovery and get help. Our food pantry is open. That's exciting. God says that feeding the poor is an act of love towards him. So that's a part of what we do with feed the poor. And then this is awesome. Our church is physically open for services. And those of you who are online right now, you can tell that I'm telling the truth because you heard the applause. Of the, that was not a laugh track. That, there are actual people here right now. And that's amazing, right? Like, I know a lot of churches are saying that, you know, they're open because they still have an online presence. And that's true. But let's be honest, you're not fully open unless you're fully open. I'm not judging anybody, right? I'm just saying, I'm excited that our church is open open. Our hearts and our doors are available to you. Our church is fully operational. I'm asking you this question though. Are you? Are you fully operational? Are you fully available to God right now? I want you involved. I want, here's what I want. I want you in the right place doing the right thing. That's what I want. I want you in the right place doing the right thing. Notice I did not say, I want you deciding the right place for everyone else. I want each of you in the right place for you doing the right thing. So that means if you're sick, the right place for you is to quarantine. Quarantine yourself. Okay, that's, that's good. If you're vulnerable, if your health has issues, right? If you're older or your doctor has advised you that you need to be careful and stay away from people, the right place for you is to be a part of our online campus. Hey, listen, I know some of you, you know, you've received advice that you should be really careful and maybe you haven't listened to that advice. I just wanna remind you, Proverbs 12, 15 says, a wise man listens to advice. Just, just throwing it out there for you, okay? And then if you're healthy, if you're healthy, Maybe you've been going to Walmart during the week. Maybe you've been going to Chili's. Get them baby back ribs. The right place for you is probably at church. It's probably at church, right? If you're not going anywhere, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'm not trying to force you. But I'm just saying, if you're going out and about, just be consistent. Like, don't during the week be like, oh, yeah, I'm going out. And then during Sunday, be like, no, I need to be careful. That's not being careful. That's misplaced priorities. And just, just think about it, right? I, I want you where you need to be, the right place for you, doing the right thing. Hebrews 10, 23, I know you've probably heard this verse before, a lot of you. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering. In other words, don't, don't quit, keep going, be consistent to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. We're doing that right now. We're meeting together as some people do, right? I'm not judging you. I'm just saying some people, 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, okay? So we need this. If you feel like you're low on hope, if you feel like you're low on encouragement, it might be because you've neglected this very important time of gathering together with God's people. I want you either online or physically at a campus in the right place for you doing the right thing. I believe this is important. I want our church to be open and available for whoever might come as long as it's possible. I remember the first week we reopened our church on May 17th, there was a man at one of our PM services who was in his 50s who had come to church that night for the first time in his entire life. I'm glad our church was available for him. Every single week, people are accepting Jesus. Every single week, people are getting connected to community. I am celebrating what God is doing at our church. It's so good. I know that it could involve risk, but Jesus did not call us to follow him. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll teach you how to avoid all risk. He said, come follow me, I'll teach you how to fish for men. And I know that having... Having church gatherings, someone, someone, someone might get nervous about that, you know, like, hey, someone could get sick. And, and that's possible. Like, someone could get sick. But I can tell you this. There are a lot of people who are already spiritually sick. You know, a virus will affect you for a couple weeks, and then most people will recover. Not everybody, sadly, and we mourn for those people, but most people will recover. But spiritual sickness can destroy you for eternity. We know that our mission is important. We're committed to it. So, man, I'm celebrating that God is using this church and he's using you to change our community. It's a difficult time. But I'm going to talk about some things about what comes next. I got to keep moving, okay? What comes next? In 2019, God gave me a word for our church. It was the word bold. Some of you are like, yeah, you're, you're definitely bold. That's another word for it. Man, I'm passionate about that word bold. It comes from 2 Corinthians 3.12. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, a hope in Jesus, we are very bold. If you know Jesus, you can be bold. So this is a big deal to us. We got this verse on the wall. We wrote a song called Bold. It's a really good song. And we started a, a campaign to build a new building and to expand our church called the Bold Campaign. Um, some people in our church even got the word bold tattooed on them. I did not tell them to do that, okay? But they did it. In 2020, someone asked me, Ryan, what's the word for this year? And I said, I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna just make it up. Like, I don't know. And I wondered about, maybe they were waiting for their next tattoo. I don't know. And, and so at first I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm like needing to pray a little longer. But then eventually I realized I didn't have a new word because the word never changed. I didn't realize that God was calling us into a season where we were going to have to be even more bold than we had been before. So I want you to know today that Generation Church is still bold. We're still bold. That's who we are right now. We're being bold. A virus doesn't change our vision. The methods may change, but the message stays the same. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And we're still reaching the lost. We're providing ministry for people who can't come to church and for people who can come to church. That's okay. Because church is essential. Yes. Church is essential. If you believe that, 
You can amen. Thank you. Yes, yes. You knew what I was going to say. Every week, man, people are getting plugged in. And overall, our church is growing. Our church is, even though there are some attendance issues, our church is growing. We are still pushing to expand and make more room because the day is coming when, thank God, this pandemic will be behind us. And we're gonna need space for lost people who need Jesus. So I want you to know that the bold campaign is still going forward. In Mesa, we're still building our building right now. We're waiting for permits. We've been in, uh, uh, expanding our Awatuki space. We're continuing to move the mission forward. And those of you who pledged towards the bold campaign have been amazing. So far to date, you've given $1,132,000. And some change. And uh, I was just shocked, honestly, as a pastor, how consistent uh, these pledges kept coming in, even during the time of the shutdown and everything. So we're more than halfway towards the pledged amount, and we're not even halfway through the season of the pledge. So you've all been amazing. Thank you for being generous. And I just want to let you know, in case you're wondering, the regular giving of our church, our tithes and offerings, has been strong. We've been able to meet our budget every month and then some. Uh, it's just amazing how God has provided for his people and provided for his church. Uh, attendance has been all over the place, right? And some pastors have asked me, Ryan, how are you counting attendance? And I said, through the offering. Because, man, you can like your church without giving to it, but once you love your church, you can't help but give. Because that's the natural response to love. It's to give. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what happens when you love. And so I know that the core of our church is here, believes in the mission. The world needs the church of Jesus Christ. And Generation Church needs to get even stronger. We still need, we're, we're strong. We're strong. We need to get stronger. I'm convinced. Because we have a very real enemy. The threat is real. And I've become more convinced during my time away that we're dealing with right now in this season an extreme level of spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual attack that's taking place. Let me explain that. First, I think all of us, the world, yeah, but believers, even Christians are dealing with and being attacked by a spirit of fear. I've seen it resurge even in recent times. The spirit of fear. People who weren't afraid are now afraid. People who got over fear are dealing with fear again. That is an attack. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So if you're dealing with fear, you know who to seek. Seek the Lord. I think we're dealing with a spirit of complacency. It can get easy during this season just be like, oh, whatever. I'm just over it. Hebrews 10.25, you know, I already read this. So I want to just remind you, let us not neglect our meeting together. And don't be complacent about this. You need this. And that means that we need you. We need you to serve. And th this is real talk right now. I'm just going to be open about this. We are having an issue as a church with people serving during our physical gatherings. We don't usually ever have a problem having enough volunteers to serve. In fact, other churches will send their staff members to our church oftentimes to learn how to develop a culture of volunteerism. But right now we have a little bit of a trouble with this. Like, like staff members are having a hard time getting people to serve. So here's the problem. A lot of our best servants, team members and volunteers 
have to stay home right now. They have, to, they have to be a part of online church. And I know those of you who are online right now, some of you, it's killing you that you can't serve right now. And then we have some people who are faithful and they're serving, they're going above and beyond. But listen, if you're healthy and you can go to church physically, we need you to serve. And here's the thing, you need to serve. You need to serve to be who God has called you to be. I want to read you Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Watch this. It says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. A literal translation says, lazy. Instead, you will follow the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. God's going to see your faithful effort and reward you for it. Because here's the thing, it's okay to take a break from serving, but if you go too long, you can become spiritually dull. And in, so, so you need to serve to be who God has made you to be. And I'm telling you right now as a pastor, like, we need you to serve. I need you to serve. So you can't go home today and be like, no one ever asked me to serve. Like, I'm asking you right now. If you can, we need you to serve. We have G101 coming up August 2nd. It's the first step. It's the main step, pretty much the only step to get involved and to serve. And I know some people, they're like, um, not right now. Um, maybe, no, I don't think so. We need you. So pray about it again until God says yes. Then keep praying about it. Just keep praying about it until he's like, yes. Yes, that's what you should do. It's so good. Thank you for serving all of you who are so faithful in that. Uh, One of the things I've seen is that a lot of people are facing attack and they're dealing with a critical spirit. And and so a lot of us were dealing with this critical spirit where, man, anytime you see some headline or you see the news on social media, immediately, if you're like me, you're tempted to just form an emotional opinion about that issue. Like, oh, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. And I don't like when people say that. And I don't like when people do that. That's a critical spirit. It's not good for you. The Holy Spirit is not a critical spirit. It says in James 4, Verse 11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. It goes on to say, there's only one lawgiver and judge. It's not you. The one who is able to save and destroy. Oh, it's God. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So if it's not a clear cut sin issue, it does not require a judgment. You know, I'll tell you what, this is something that God spoke to me, okay, about. He convicted me about this. He convicted me, okay, so I'm just telling you my own baggage. The Holy Spirit said to me, Ryan, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. And I was like, but the world needs my opinions. And I like sharing them on social media for everyone. But guess what? It wasn't good for me. Because I'll have an opinion and then I get frustrated and have to go on this emotional roller coaster all the time of being frustrated and calming down and getting frustrated about something else, critical of people, judgmental of people. And God's like, what if you just didn't have an opinion about this? I like it. It's good. You should try it. And then here's the other one. This is kind of concerning. I, I noticed that we're dealing with a spirit of rebellion towards authority or you could call it disrespect towards authority. And we see it towards our 
our governing leaders, our civil leaders, and our spiritual leaders. I, I've even dealt with this a little myself. We, I don't normally deal with this hardly ever, but, but I have dealt with, I've seen an uptick in critical thinking and rebellion, disrespect towards authority. And, and I'm not, for those, if you've sent me a, a critical, mean email, I'm not mad at you. I know you're dealing with spiritual attack. The enemy wants that. And that's, that's, that's something to think. I want to show you something interesting from Scripture. The Apostle Paul, he was on trial before the high council of, of the Jewish leaders. It says in Acts 23, verse 2. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. Some of you never seen this scripture before, right? You're like, ooh, this just got interesting. But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Isn't that interesting? Those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare insult God's high priest? And look what Paul said. I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the high priest. For the scriptures say, you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. You must not speak. That's, that's an interesting little story there. Like Ananias, the high priest, broke the law by having Paul smacked in court. And Paul gave him a piece of his mind. He talks him smack back to him. And then even though Paul had been wronged, when he realized that Ananias was the high priest, he was like, oh, my bad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said that if I would have realized that he was the high priest. So, so even when authority wrongs you, you can speak to that issue, but we should still speak respectfully about and to authority. And it's out of respect for God. When you are respectful towards authority, it's really out of respect for God. And I, I want to just point this out. Usually disrespect towards authority, any authority figure, it comes out of fear. So whether it's a wife being disrespectful to her husband, disrespecting your boss, disrespecting the government, disrespecting your pastor, it really comes down at the core to fear. I'm afraid you won't lead me right. I'm afraid you aren't going to take care of me and that I won't be okay. Recognize that fear. Once you recognize that fear, it helps you to deal with the issue. In all things, trust the ultimate authority, God. All authority comes from God and is appointed by God. All God is who our trust is in, not the government, okay? So that, that will help you to have peace in those moments. And then the last one I just wanted to touch on was division. Division, a spirit of division I feel like we're dealing with where, where people are being divided into groups and categories and, and feeling mad at, at, at each other. People are, are tempted to be divided based on ethnic uh, issues, right? Or, or like Democrats and Republicans or whatever it is, people are divided. That's gonna be an issue always, but it's especially an issue right now. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. God wants his people united. He wants us united in mind and thought around the cross of Jesus Christ, regardless of where you come from or what issues you might be dealing with, who you might be frustrated with. As Christians, we should be united and be one. The enemy is a divider. He seeks to divide and conquer. First, he tried to divide man from God by deceiving Adam and Eve into breaking God's commandments. Then he tried to divide man from man. He got Cain to kill his own brother Abel. 
And he wants to divide God's church because he knows that together we're unstoppable, but divided we're vulnerable. So watch out for division in your heart and watch out for yourself getting upset with God's people. Remember who the real enemy is. And I want to read this. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's just a spiritual way of saying there's an enemy. It's Satan and his demonic forces. It's not people. People might hurt you, but the evil behind the person that hurts you is spiritual. So especially when it comes to God's people in the church, we got to remember we're fighting a spiritual battle, not a battle against flesh and blood. Amen, church? Because of the fact that we're dealing with spiritual warfare, it's time, I believe, for our church to launch a spiritual counterattack. Come back with a left hook out of nowhere and take the enemy out. So here's what's happening. I feel God is leading us to do this. I don't do this lightly, but I'm calling our church to 20 days of prayer and fasting. 20 days of prayer and fasting. And a lot of times when I do this, I'll present it like this. Like, hey, we're gonna do prayer and fasting. If you wanna do it, that'd be cool. If not, it's okay. Because I don't want anyone to feel pressured or manipulated. And of course, you know, you're still a free agent and you have your, make, make your own choices. But, but I'm saying it a little differently this time, okay? Like as a church, I'm calling our church to this and we're doing this. Like, like we're doing it. You can opt out, but why would you want to opt out of God's blessing in your life and spiritual breakthrough? It's up to you. But I'm asking you to join us in this. And here's what it looks like. Here's what 20 days of prayer and fasting looks like. Because some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. Okay, here's what we're going to do. And here's how I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. This is going to start next Sunday. So you have time to get ready. And it's going to go for 20 days. For 20 days, I'm asking you to take out social media and the news Some of, some of you need social media for your jobs. I understand that, but as much as you can. Take out social media and the news and some element of food. Okay, some element. Like, I'm going to do bread because I love bread. And every time I'm tempted to eat bread, I'm going to go to the bread of life. Jesus. Take out some element of food and social media and the news. Can I tell you what? While I was on vacation, I was off social media, uh, just got on for a couple minutes, probably throughout the whole time I was gone. And the less often I was on social media, the better I felt about life. I can tell you why some of you are so discouraged. It's because you're taking in so much junk through social media and the news. Okay, I'm just telling you. And then so take that out and then take in 20 minutes a day of prayer and Bible reading. You are what you eat. You take in junk, you're going to get junk out. I want you to take out some of the negative stuff from your life, not forever, but for a season and take in 20 minutes a day. You can break it up 10 in 10 minutes. You can do whatever. But prayer and Bible reading. It's going to be very important for us. Why is this important, right? You take all that news out, that social media. Take that time to take in the word of God. Every single day, read the Bible. Every single day. Why? It's good for you. Second Peter 1 verse 4 says this. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises 
These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You're going to take out some of the negative influences and take in the good, the great and precious promises of God through his word, which are going to help you share in the divine nature of Jesus Christ. I want his mind. I want Jesus' spirit of peace, right? Out with the junk, in with the word of God, in with that time of prayer. So we're going to pray for faith and against doubt. We're going to pray for peace, against fear, because you're vulnerable when you're fearful. We're going to pray for unity against division. We're going to pray for power. We're going to pray for God to do signs and wonders in our church. We want to see young men have visions, old men dream dreams, not watch someone else's dream on YouTube, but God give you a dream for your life, fresh vision for your life. Pray for God's healing in our bodies physically and spiritually. We're dealing with today uncommon problems, and uncommon problems require uncommon power. That's what we need. We need God's power in our lives. We're going into a new season, I sense in my spirit. I don't say that it's going to be easy, right? But I feel like it's a new season. And in scripture, you see that before a new season, God will often use this time of prayer and fasting to prepare his people. So Moses fasted 40 days before he got the Ten Commandments. Nehemiah fasted before he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Daniel fasted before he was thrown into the lion's den. Jesus fasted before he went to the cross. 2020 is a time we need to fast because I think God has great things for us. It's not going to be easy. With his help, we can do it. Right? I believe that God is changing the narrative. I, I like the idea of 20 days of, of prayer and fasting. 20 days. Because it reminds me that 2020 isn't over yet. It's not over yet. 2020 is not going to be remembered as the year that the church shut down. It's going to be remembered as the year the church rose up. God's doing something new. Faith is rising. Hope is rising. We're not shutting down. It's not over yet, right? God's still working. Your marriage isn't over. Your life isn't over. I don't know what suicidal thoughts some of you have been wrestling with, but it's not over. God's got a plan for you, and he's doing new things in us. Greater things are still to come. Do you believe that? I know he's got good things for us. In Jesus' name, I believe it. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. If you're here, the only way you're going to experience this type of victory and peace is through faith in Jesus Christ and the saving grace that comes through him. It's not hard to be saved because Jesus already did the hard work. We're saved by grace. It's a gift of God. And so if you're here today at one of our campuses or you're online watching and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and experience the victory that comes through Jesus, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you rose again. I give you my life. I trust you, and I want to follow you from this day forward. Thank you for bringing me into God's family loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.